the insect, the ant. We've been doing a series on different Bible creatures. We've done the turkey vulture and the eagle and the honeybee and the flea and all these different things. And tonight we're concluding this series. Next Sunday night we do not have service. It's Labor Day weekend. Is that right? Is next Sunday Labor Day weekend? Okay, we don't have an evening service. The following Sunday night I'll be doing the Passover. And you're the guinea pigs. It's going to be my practice because I have to do it in... Uh, in uh, both September and October. I didn't travel this month, which would have been today, but I'm going to be traveling and speaking in South Georgia and then up in Tennessee. I am going to limit it to one Sunday a month. And, uh, and so uh, this next, uh, uh, the next time I travel is homecoming Sunday and my friend's going to be here. And uh, I just felt, it, I, I just had to do that to limit the amount of times I'm away and the following week, I'd ask Brother Bryce to, to preach, but I think he's going to be out of town that week, so we'll have to figure out a plan for that Sunday. But we're looking at Proverbs chapter 6 today, Proverbs chapter 6. Now, there's a mistake on the papers. In the very first line, it says verses 6 to 11. That should be verses 9 to 11. So when you get that, make a correction on that. You should have some fill-in-the-blanks there, and I'll give you the answers as we go through this. If you do not get the answers when we're going through it, the sheet master will be down here with the answers. And you can come up afterwards and ask me or look at that. And uh, we'll look at uh, that. I mean, say we'll, we'll answer those as I'm speaking. But uh, if you miss something, don't worry about filling in the blanks. I used PowerPoint for eight and a half years up in Saudi. And people got to where they were so committed to filling in the blanks, some of them wouldn't look up the whole service. They're trying to keep up, and I, I said, I need to stop PowerPoint for a while. And so I came here, and we're a little understaffed here, so I said, this is the time to stop it for a while, and uh, maybe one day we'll do PowerPoint again. But uh, don't worry so much about catching up. Just worry about taking heed to the Word of God and, and uh, applying it to your own heart. But we are going to talk about the ant tonight. Uh, there's an outline Four verses nine and following. I'm not even using tonight. I call that the taters, the sweet tater, agitator, uh, and uh, spectator. And that's the rest of the chapter. But we're going to look at chapter six. But uh, in chapter 30, the Bible mentions the ant. It says uh, there are four wise little creatures, and it names four of these the ants, the conies, the locust, the spider, and uh, besides that, the, the lizard or reptile. And we know that uh, uh, you have some notes on that. We're not going to go into that. But the ant is mentioned several times in Scripture. That's one place. We're going to look at chapter 6, verses 6 through 8. Let's stand and read. I know that's the tradition here. And so we'll read this, Proverbs 6, 6 through 8. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Or we could say, go to the, go to the ant, you lazy bum. I didn't say that. Which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provider her meat in the summer and gathereth her, gathereth her food in the harvest. Isn't that something? That little creature. And it says we're supposed to consider the ant. The Bible says in Job, learn from the creatures. Consider the animals and the creatures. So tonight we're going to consider the ant. God bless us as we take a look in your book for a walk in the world that will glean some handfuls on purpose. As Ruth in the field gleaned handfuls on purpose, we'll glean from the Word of God tonight what you have for us. 
We know, God, you have something different for each of us because we're unique. And I don't know the hearts of the people here, but I know that uh, your word supplies answers. Your word supplies our needs. We ask you to bless thou. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Solomon here tells us to consider the ants. Why? Because they're wise. And uh, while weak or insignificant, they are uh, a unit of workers who stick together. They prepare. And that's the point of the lesson, preparation. Ants are related to wasps. The they eat insects, sweets, fat, some harvest, some store. Some ants grow funguses on leaves. They live in colonies or family groups. Most offspring are workers. The queen is a functional female, usually winged. There are also other workers, other females and males. The males are usually winged. I'm going to read you some things and then we'll share uh, some words on this passage. Males and productive queens meet in the air and mate often in the air, sometimes on the ground, but a lot in the air. The male dies soon after mating. The female loses her wings because it's tough to tunnel with her wings, and she has no need for her wings. She digs into the ground and buries herself for several months without food, lives her several months without food. The eggs laid by the queen take a few days to hatch into tiny grubs or larvae, which are helpless and buried. Then the larva produces silk, turns into a cocoon, and eventually becomes a pupa, which is an ant. And of course, we call this a metamorphosis. And that Greek word is translated in your Bibles, transformed. And then Romans 12, 1 and 2, transformed. And transfigured in Matthew chapter 17, a great Bible word, a great Greek word you're aware of. The queen eats some of those eggs to feed her young. And then when the first ants are born, which are really, really small, she feeds them that food. They get bigger and bigger all the time. The first ones aren't fed enough, but the next group are fed more. And of course, these little ants go out and bring back food and to help the other ants. And each batch that's born are bigger than the previous because they have workers bringing them food. It takes two years or more for males or queens to appear in a colony. They go off and start their own colony. And workers live three to six years. Queens can live 15 years. Some ants only live a month. Workers have a large head and are referred to as soldiers. Ants communicate through excitement. They go to find food and find their way back using landmarks, their eyes, and certain odors. The trails um, save labor because the scout ants leave some sort of odor on the trail from their abdomen, and other ants can follow that. They release it from a gland in their abdomen, and, and that's how they can find their way back to the nest, and then others can find the trail to the food source. And of course, if you've watched ants, you see how they work together. In Panama, we had the, the soldier ants, and I mean, they were something else. They had a trail that wide, just back and forth, and they would go into a tree, and, and a few days later, that tree would not have any leaves left. they just wiped the tree out. And uh, uh, just amazing ants. And they didn't really harm you. I, I know I, I went down to Mississippi and I said, what are those great big mounds? They said, those are fire ants. And we have fire ants here, but these mounds were just massive. And, and uh, you know, they're just a vicious ant. If you're cutting the grass and you step on those fire ants, you, all of a sudden you know they're there. They're biting you all over the place. And, and they're little, tough little rascals. But... 
The queen swells up for a few days and becomes sluggish and then lays 25,000 eggs at one time. Can you imagine that? She'll get slim and repeat the performance in two weeks. Wow. There are several species of ants. They have colonies where ants have been actually counted. They've counted one type of ant, 90-some thousand, and others. They found colonies with 238,000-plus ants. I don't know who would take the time to count ants, but that's what the books say, that they actually counted them to want to know how big their colonies are. There are army ants, as we've referred to as soldier ants already, who don't have a fixed dwelling place. The ants will move from one camp to another camp in just a matter of a day or two, carrying their food, carrying their larvae. They'll make raids for food while young, uh, while young ants and childbearing queens stay behind. Some ants sting, some ants bite, some spray several inches of spray, and some can harm human skin and kill other insects. There are also fungus ants or cutter ants. They drill nests up to 16 feet into the ground. In one night, they can destroy an entire tree. I've mentioned those. There are also slave ants. Each ant has three or four ants working under it. They uh, actually capture ants and put them to work, make slaves out of them. When they go out to battle, slave ants are taken on those raids, and during these great battles, many ants die. And ants are amazing, aren't they? And it's all the facts I'm going to read to you. But all of us have watched ants. When I was a kid, I'd, I'd go out and get a big red ant and get some black ants and put them in a jar and watch them fight. And I was mean. Sometimes I'd take a magnifying glass and see how long before the sun would burn the little guys up, you know, and all that. And all of us have done little things like that. I've been bitten by an ant, so have you. We understand. But the thing that, about ants is the Bible actually mentions their work ethic and their unity. And that's what's fascinating. First of all, they're prudent, according to verse 6. The word sluggard in verse 6 is translated slothful in Proverbs 26. Sluggard or slothful. The sloth is a very slow-moving animal. I showed my slides back in the uh, fellowship hall a few weeks ago, and you saw a sloth. Remember crossing the road? Covered in mold and ticks all over it. When we were driving the car, we'd have to stop, and we'd have to take something and move that sloth out of the road because it was just too slow. You don't want to wait for it to cross the road. You're in a hurry, so you move it across the road. And, and the Bible says, don't be like that when it comes to work. Don't be slothful in business. Don't be a sluggard. And it says to consider her ways and be wise. So uh, prudence is, is the practical sense of the word wisdom here. It's translated cunning in Second Chronicles. So cunning, prudent. You know, the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, Psalm 110, 111.10. We're supposed to be wise unto salvation. Wisdom's an important thing. And I'll tell you, the Bible says sometimes the people of the world are wiser than the children of God. That's a sad thing. And I've known Christians that I think, do they have any common sense at all? Sometimes people of the world who don't know God handle money very wisely. They actually don't realize it, but they're abiding by scriptural principles. Sometimes the people of the world have great marriages. Why? They don't realize it, but they abide by scriptural principles. Years ago, there was a night show. I don't know, I was about 25, and I was watching one of the late shows, and they had a couple on there and said, what is your secret to marriage? They were not Christian people. You could tell by some things they said. What is your secret? And he told, said all the things he did 
for his wife. And I thought, it sounds like Song of Solomon to me. Complimented her. Rubbed her shoulders. Cared about her. Looked her in the eye and listened to her. I thought, here's a guy that doesn't profess to know Jesus, but he's abiding by principles that are in Scripture. And he has a better marriage than a lot of Christians. When's the last time you said, guys, to your wife, baby, you look good? Huh? Hey, that's what so rape Song of Solomon. When was the last time you looked her in the eye and said, talk to me, baby? I, I just want to listen to you. What's going on in your heart? You say, I'm not going to do that. That's right. You're not Solomon. You're not as wise as you need to be. But I, I love the passage about treating your wife as a weaker vessel. And that actually means fragile vase. Years ago, I came to church, and I had wrapped up this vase, and it was in a box and all wrapped up, and I told everybody I got it from the Chattanooga Museum, and it was worth like 20 grand. Everybody's like, what are you doing with this vase? In the middle of my message, I tossed it to someone in the front pew, and they grabbed it, and everybody went, ah! And I said, actually, it's a Walmart $5 vase. And everybody's in mad because I lied to them. My point was, how stupid of me to handle that expensive vase like that. And yet, our wives are what? Fragile vessels, valuable vessels. And so yelling at them and doing all that stuff, and this, is, this has nothing to do with ants. Maybe uncles and ants, but <laughs> not the little critter. But we learn from Scripture, and Scripture says sometimes the people of the world are wiser than Christians. How many Christians have you known go out and borrow money? Borrow more money, borrow money they don't have, keep doing dumb things financially. You want to say, what is wrong with you? Why are you doing that? Or spending money they don't have. So many times, so many marriages fall apart because of money. The ant just provides for its nest. And they work hard, they're wise, they're prudent, they're cunning. And sometimes the Bible says the children of, uh, of the world are wiser than the children of God. And we want to be wise like the ant. The wise man, the Bible says, builds his house on the rock. The wise man, the Bible says, is a witness, a soul winner. But ants are fascinating because they experience a metamorphosis. And what does the Bible say we are? Transformed. Did you know a miracle took place inside of you? Your old nature became a new nature? When I first got saved, I was... Just a kid, I was in my bedroom, Okemos, Michigan, and I'd been reading my little reach-out Bible, little living Bible, and I trusted Jesus as my Savior. Man, I knew I was saved for about an hour until I made a mistake, and I thought I wasn't saved yet. <laughs> but I remember that, you know, trusting the Lord in my bedroom, and I knew something was different. All of a sudden, things started to change in my life. I started to feel guilty doing some of the things I did. You would know I was a sinner, but oh, I was a sinner. <laughs> and you say, I did too know that. And, and, and the things that happened on the inside. Yet, when I look in the mirror, nothing looked different. Why? I still have the same old outer man, but there's a new man in here. And there's a battle with old Dan and new Dan that's been going on for all these years. I'll be 65 October. And that, that, that's a lot of years for that old man and new man to be battling but there's been a change on the inside. And I can't yield to the old man anymore. I have to yield to the new man. But ants are fascinating. Ants communicate through excitement. I like that. And I think of how we should rejoice 
evermore. Make the choice to rejoice. A lot of Christians go around with uh, the idea that the Christian life is the mulligrubs. I mean, they go around just negative, pessimistic, always upset, always complaining, and they wonder why nobody wants their Jesus. Make the choice to rejoice. Right? Have the attitude of gratitude. Are you thankful you're a believer in Christ? Are you thankful for all He's done in your life? Let people know how wonderful it is to have the Lord in your life. Oh, it doesn't mean we're a life, we have a life without problems. No, that's not what it means. We have problems just like the world, but we have a difference in our lives, and that's the Holy Spirit living in us. And we have direction from Him, and we have direction from the Word of God, and we have peace from prayer in all those things. So the ant, we learn from the ant several things. First of all, we learn that ants are prudent. Second of all, ants prepare. I, I, I was reading how they assist, even in childbirth, they assist right away. They're feeding and working to make new ants, uh, give them a better life. But ants prepare in verses 7 and 8 which having no guide, overseer, or ruler. I mean, the queen's back in the nest, and here all the ants are working together. Let me just say this. For us to be a successful church, it's going to be about unity, working together as one, laying aside your petty complaints and your differences and coming together to work as one. Helping each other during those difficult times. Lifting each other up, praying for one another, encouraging one another. Ants, I love it that they prepare. The Bible says they have no guide, overseer, or ruler, but they provide meat. They store up meat, they gather, and and the harvest time comes. They have plenty. They have plenty because every ant works. It's fascinating to watch ants. We're supposed to consider them. And I've watched ants, and you have as well, and you know this. They'll, they'll carry a great big bug three times their size on their back all by themselves back to the nest. And you're like, how does that little ant carry something way heavier than itself? It's amazing. And then when they're struggling, other ants come along and help grab that ant. And when they're in battle, they all come together and that spider or whatever doesn't have a chance because the ants are swarming. And it's the same, same way in our lives as Christians. We need to be one army. It's a battlefield. We, I told you I'm going to preach on spiritual war, warfare, and I don't know when I'm going to preach that. I'm in Colossians next week, but I, I'm planning that. And, uh, you know, we are in a battle as Christians. It's spiritual warfare. It's not a physical battle, but we battle against principalities and powers. The New Testament says that. That's not some uh, phony baloney from some... Uh, charismatic, twisted Pentecostal background, and I'm not saying they're not saved or anything. I'm just saying that's not some false teaching that's clearly taught in Scripture that we're in spiritual warfare. And we need each other. We need to pray for each other. We need to call each other up and say, how are you? Are you okay? I'm concerned for you. People are lonely. My pastor, one time I remember him preaching that people are very sad. People are sad. People are lonely, and the world doesn't offer anything. You know what the world offers? Something to take your mind off reality. You know, you you can escape your problems for two hours by getting drunk. You can escape your problems two hours or so by watching a good movie. 
Then at the end of the movie, you're back facing reality again. Whether it's sickness or financial trouble or marriage problems or tr troubles with a child. And you, you, the world offers ex a temporary escape, but there's no solutions there. Very frustrating for me uh, to turn on TV and listen to a counselor like, like maybe a Dr. Phil, who I'm sure has given good advice, but he gets so much unscriptural advice, I just, I'm like, that's not biblical. And I'm not picking on Dr. Phil. I think he and his third wife are doing well. But <laughs> that's sarcasm, but he doesn't have all the answers, obviously. He had a young lady on there one time who said, Dr. Phil, I'm, I'm living with my boyfriend, and I feel terribly guilty. And he said, well, tell me about your background. Well, I was raised in a Christian home. I was taught by my parents that Jesus Christ, and she went into her little testimony, and, and that it's wrong to, you know, fornicate. She didn't say it like that, but it's wrong to sleep with someone who you're not married to and all that. And she was telling that, and I thought, bingo, there's the answer. You're doing wrong, and that's why you're miserable. She said, and I'm miserable. And he said, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to forget all that teaching that you were taught. And I wanted to jump in the screen, but I couldn't fit. And say, that is not what she needs to do. She needs to repent and get back to God. You know, that's the advice the world has to offer. Just push guilt away. Just, just learn to live with a seared conscience. That's the world. That's what they say. You just ignore your conscience. Don't, don't listen to what you've been taught. Don't listen to that stuff. You don't need to get into the Bible and Christians. They're a big problem in our country. That's what the world says. My Bible teaches me otherwise. Christians have the answer and the solution. So here's the ant that prepares. They work together. You read uh, 1 Corinthians 3, Paul said, I'm disappointed in you. You have division. I understand you're not getting along. Shame on you. And that's a paraphrase. Jesus' last prayer in John 17 was that we have unity. Unity. That's his last prayer. He prayed for future believers. And said, God, I pray that they will be one. And yet we have more splits and more churches. I'll tell you the truth. When I was here before for two and a half years, I wanted to just help the church heal. We saw that happen. We grew and I saw that happen. And I was asked so many times to be the pastor. I said, no, you know why? It started as a split. I thought we don't need another Baptist church on Lakeview Drive. That's the way I felt about it. I didn't like splits. But it's been 20 years now, and here I am, and uh, now you're stuck with me. But uh, we have a different congregation here. We have unity here. We have great pieces in place to go forward. My point is God wants unity. Ants work together. Can't we at least learn like the ants to work together? To fight as one, to work as one? Who cares who gets the credit? You know, I... I, I, I love, last night I, I watched the Precious Memories and they were doing George, the great bass singer, and I enjoyed that. And then they talked about how he's part of the Hall of Fame and I thought, I'm not crazy about all the accolades in this life because Jesus says, if someone pats you on the back and says, good prayer, sir, you have your reward. Don't worry about, that's not George's fault, by the way, 
I'm saying that to say this. Don't worry if you're recognized or get a pat on the back for what you do. Do it for Jesus, realizing He keeps record, and He'll bless you. It doesn't matter if someone gets more recognition than you. If I maybe stand on the pulpit and say, that was so nice, Mike. I look forward to you leading Wednesday, by the way. He's having eye surgery. And I say something about Mike. That doesn't mean you have to think, well, he likes Mike better than me, and I'm envious of that, and, and I don't like this, and I don't like that person because this person likes it. It's so childish. We're weaker than ants. Because ants work together. They work hard. They use landmarks. I think that's interesting. The Bible says don't remove landmarks in your life. Remember the time you trusted Christ. If you don't know the time, I can't tell you the time or day in that song. I'm always thinking, I can take you to the place. I can tell you about I can't. I can take you to the place, but I don't know the day. I don't even know the month. It was the summer of 1968. I trusted Jesus Christ. So that song always kind of goes over my head because I don't have a day to stand up, you know? But remember when the Lord saved you. Remember when he helped you out of that jam. Where he did something great for you. Don't forget that. Go to those landmarks like the ant and, and get your bearings straight. And it says here they don't have an overseer. They don't have anybody to oversee you. And yet they work together. They don't have a guide or overseer. That could be translated officer, leader. They don't have that. They work together. They don't have a boss. You ever heard the expression, I know you have too many chiefs, not enough Indians? Now my son's on the reservation. He says, yeah, now they're not Indians. They're Native Americans. And I'm not politically correct. So I say some things sometimes. I have to be careful not to call them Indians. They're Native Americans. And he loves those people. I'm going to have him speak for us in October. But he, he has to correct me. <laughs> so I'm used to too many cowboy and Native American movies. And uh, so I got to work on that. But, you know, the fact of the matter is uh, he loves him, the great people. And I don't know what I was saying. I just lost my train of thought. But, you know, what? No, where, where was the hello? I don't know. Uh, ants prepare. Ants provide. Sorry about that. And it says in verse 8, look, it says, guide, oh, guide or overseer ruler. That's where I was. But anyway, let's, let's move on to verse 8. They provide meat in the summer. They provide. You know what uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says? Those that don't work shouldn't eat. Look at 1 Thessalonians 4.11. 1 Thessalonians 4.11. And I'll, I'll be done in a few moments. In fact, I should be done five minutes ago. But we're going to read a couple verses and we'll close. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11, which says this. And that ye study to be quiet and to do your own work your own, excuse me, your own business and to work with your hands. Too many people were having a problem of getting involved in other people's business and not doing what they were supposed to do. And Paul says, do your own work. Be prepared, study. And so 1 Peter 2.2 says we're supposed to, uh, newborns are supposed to be fed the milk of the word. We're supposed to be concerned about people. Here's other things about ants quickly. Ants, they, they, they fight together. Second Timothy chapter two, verse three tells us that we should fight the good fight. And I'll read that in just a moment. Two, two, three says, thou also endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It's not easy being a Christian. We have to work hard at it. We have to work hard at being, being a good soldier. Take care of the wounded. 
That's what the ants do. You ever see an ant drag an injured ant, helping it along? That's what we're supposed to do. Galatians 6, 1, brethren, if a man be overtaken in fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering that self lest also be tempted. The word restore there, same word as when they mended the nets. It's used several ways in the New Testament. And we are supposed to restore those that are wounded. Not hurt them more, not tear the net more, mend the net. And so, and then finally, ants help with overloads. Galatians 6, 2, bear you one another's burdens. It's the word burrow. And so fulfill the law of Christ. So as Christians, we need to be more like the ant and less like the world. Amen? God bless us tonight. We thank you, God, for... Uh, all you've done for us, for the, the, the time we spent together, for the choir tonight, we ask you to bless the food in our bodies. Thank you for those that worked hard to prepare it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.